having that community is extremely important because it shows these young people coming through that people have gone before them and people have done it. Once you can see it, you, you know that it's possible. From Medigild, this is homeostasis, the place where medicine and society meet to address the most pressing issues in our changing world. I'm Rachel Bongiorno. Today we're speaking with Dr Justin Kane, who was the first Aboriginal doctor to be accepted onto the Vascular Surgery Training Program in Australia. We'll chat about Justin's journey, as well as how First Nations medical students and doctors can be better supported. We are out of the studio and lucky enough to be meeting on Larrakee country in the top end. Can you begin by introducing yourself and tell us who you are, where you're from and where we are right now? So my name is Justin Kane. I'm a Gamilaroi and Yuan man uh, from New South Wales. So mum's mob's from a little country town called Moree in northwest New South Wales. And dad's family's from a community called Rec Bay in south coast New South Wales. I work as a vascular surgery registrar at Royal Darwin Hospital. And um, we're currently here in scenic Darwin um, having a chat. So what inspired you to get into medicine? From a very young age, um, my family have always been very community-oriented people. They would always go out of their way to um, help people who were less fortunate than themselves, would often um, have lots of other people um, in their house, raising other people's children. And also that had just sort of transcended through my parents who ended up becoming public servants in New South Wales, working in community services. And, um, and then I also had a couple of distant cousins who had gone to medical school and became the first um, Aboriginal doctors from New South Wales as well. So a combination of that work ethic um, and community service, along with my cousins sort of pushing me along, um, made me steer towards going to uni and going to medical school. And what was the journey like for you? Is it what you expected? Anything that surprised you in a positive or challenging way? So, you know, medical school is medical school. Um, It's difficult no matter where you go. Um, I think a few extra difficult things that I encountered um, or that I felt like I encountered tended to be around casual racism and, and race. And so being an Indigenous person and coming into medical school via an alternative access pathway um, lended itself to some negative comments about um, whether I truly deserve to be in medical school and, and things like that. So in terms of challenges, that was that was particularly tough. However, medic- medical school itself, um, look, it, it's very difficult. Like there's a lot of knowledge to cover and a lot of stuff to cover, but I felt like once I started doing my community placements and I was very lucky to go back to my home community in Nowra on South Coast New South Wales for a year, um, I, I found that I settled into the routine a bit more while I was at med school. You mentioned that some Indigenous students experience racism and other challenges at, at med school, but there is a push to encourage more First Nations people to study medicine. So how could they be better supported and... What kind of changes do you think could be made? I think having these access pathways into med- into medicine and into um, into specialty training as well is very important. It's there for a reason, and 
like there's a lot of evidence around um, around diversity and having a workforce that reflects the population that they're serving or treating. And so I think a handful of ways to make that sort of pathway better is to make sure these students are supported both emotionally and academically. I think one of the important things is having mentors and having people enabling you and um, supporting you and also standing up for you um, whenever you have these um, face these challenges around racism and um, and negative comments. What were some of the mentors in your life as you were going th- as you were going through your medical journey and as you still are? Yeah. Um, so I've, I'm someone who um, has quite a lot of mentors. So throughout my training and throughout medical school and even now, um, I've acquired so many mentors over the last couple of years, and a lot of them have. A lot of them are actually from non-surgical specialties. It's nice having a variety of people whose opinions that I respect and value and provide a different different levels of advice on different areas of life and experience. Um, so for me, um, for me now, I've had a handful of surgical mentors, um, people who are training me and teaching me vascular surgery and have enabled me to... Um, become a good registrar Um, in medical school I had a again I I felt an affinity for surgery when I was at medical school and so having a handful of surgeons and a few other people who I've had common values with um, was also very important and so all of these people are still quite close to me and have provided me with lots of sound advice throughout my journey so far like whenever I get in contact with my mentors I when I make a decision or decide on something uh, it's being made with 200 years of experience um, combined of all of these different peoples so it makes me feel more comfortable moving forward. How long have you been in the top end and what's that experience been like for you I know that whilst people might come up here for training there's a challenge in retaining doctors so can you talk a little bit about yeah your experience here and what you think might be useful for others to know if they want to come up here i've been in the territory since january this year Um, i moved up from sydney where um, i did did a lot of my training um, as a junior doctor and as a first year registrar Um, and the main difference that I see here is the the patient um, demographics change significantly here in the Territory. We obviously have a lot more Aboriginal patients here in the Territory that present to the hospital. Um, we have very advanced pathology and disease here and people present at a later stage in their disease course um, as opposed to affluent areas of Sydney. Um, and also, the bi- one of the other biggest challenges here in the Territory that I've found is um, the tyranny of distance and how remote or how far away um, communities are from Darwin and the hassle involved in getting a patient um, home to a community or from a community for treatment. Um, they've been a handful of the biggest challenges so far this year. Um, for me, um, after the last couple of years down south, I felt that I needed a bit of a sea change and I worked in parts of Sydney that were quite affluent and I felt like 
I was sort of starting to lose sight of my motivation for doing vascular surgery, uh, which was to, you know, eventually one day work with Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander patients, like my people in my home communities. Um, and I felt also a little bit um, overwhelmed with living in Sydney and so I wanted a sea change and I decided to come north to the job up here which had a number of diff different advantages including some one-on-one -on -one mentoring with the vascular surgeon here who's become a really close friend and mentor um, and also broadening my experience in other surgical specialties so acute general surgery and trauma surgery um, ha have been an important part of the job. And also the lifestyle of living in Darwin, I feel, suits me um, a lot more than living in Sydney. The weather's lovely, the people are lovely, people are genuinely happy to be treated and um, have you as a doctor. Um, and there's a good sense of camaraderie and community here in Darwin, I feel. So why do you think it's harder to retain doctors up here? Um, again, I think it comes back to um, distance. Uh, Darwin's a long way away from anywhere, really. Um, it's a four and a half hour flight to anywhere else in the country. Um, we're closer to Indonesia and Singapore um, than Sydney or Melbourne or Adelaide. Um, so I think people, um, people grapple with um, being a long way away from family and support networks. Um, and also, even though Darwin is a big city and a big town, it's not quite a metropolitan centre, so I think people miss the, the perks of living in a metropolitan centre where there's a variety of everything, um, whereas here in Darwin it's um, not the case. Do you think there's a perception that um, they, they wouldn't receive the, tra the specialty training that they would in metro hospitals if people want to come up here, here and do their internship or register years? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, def I think that is a perception um, for sure. That's one of the main things, main reasons why people um, sometimes don't really want to stay here. Um, in saying that, if you do want to gain very good general skills um, in general medicine, general surgery, and, and um, get a really good clinical foundation, I think Darwin Hospital is a good hospital for that. Um, but just just purely for things that are outside of our control we aren't able we are unable to stay here for the whole duration of our surgical training or whole duration of physician training we we have to move elsewhere to train and what would you recommend what would you like people to understand if they're interested in coming up here to do a placement or to do their internship um i think the the biggest thing that people need to um, understand or learn before they come up here is, you know, how to communicate with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients. Um, like, at least 75% of the patients in present, presenting to the ED are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, there's a huge variety of language groups just around the Darwin region that present to the hospital, over 100 language groups. Um, so having some form of um, cultural understanding and awareness is important to being a good clinician here in the Territory. Um, I think being open-minded and also being non-judgmental is very important because it's very easy to 
come up here and see an Indigenous patient and assume a lot of things and um, and make some judgments or have some implicit biases that um, that might project onto the patient or that you might hold towards a patient. Um, but you need to understand the larger um, sort of issues at play, which include things like social determinants of health and why an individual may have poor health up here in the Territory. And do you feel like you get that adequate cultural training in medical school? Uh, you know, as an Aboriginal man, um, I, like I'm, I'm going to say no at this one. I feel like medical school covers... Um, covers very broadly broad topics and superficial topics but I don't think it covers um, and again each medical school is different in how they deliver Indigenous health content but I think making medical students and junior doctors um, more aware of uh, you know critical race theory and how race um, impacts health um, and understanding the dynamics between different races of people is an important part of understanding how to be a good clinician, I feel. We'll be back after this. Hi, I'm Dr Tom Kelly, one of the founders of MedicGuild. We started MedicGuild for medical students and doctors to share their experiences and knowledge with each other, just like we were doing a tutor on a ward round or in a cafe with friends. If you enjoy the podcast, check out our website for articles and resources on everything from the med student years to specialty applications. Join for free at medicguild.com. You're listening to Homeostasis. We're speaking with Dr. Justin Kane, a vascular surgery registrar. You do a bit of teaching in um, Darwin Hospital. Can you talk a little bit about the program that you work in? Mm. Um, so... Since since I graduated medical school, um, I've I've always um, had an affinity for education and training and teaching. And over the last four years of my working career, I've trained and um, and taught a lot of medical students who have now gone on to become excellent doctors, excellent junior doctors, and I'm quite proud of that. Um, here in Darwin, we have the Flinders um, Medical School Northern Territory Program, which this year I've been a part of, teaching a handful of medical students. Um, just last night, actually, um, basic skills on how to suture and also supervising medical students on their surgical terms as well. So teaching basic principles of general surgery and vascular surgery. Um, and then also we have a lot of... Uh, Flinders Northern Territory graduates who work here as interns and residents um, and so being able to take them under my wing, train them, show them how to be a good junior doctor um, has been valuable to me and and Darwin's also a place that attracts people from other states so I've been able to do the same thing from for graduates from Sydney University and, and other other medical schools. I think uh, at the moment I'm, I've been actively involved in the University of Sydney um, Masters of Surgery program has been the main thing that I've been an, a formal academic of um, and delivering a lecture on cultural competency and its importance in surgery um, is one of the things I'm most proud of and again being involved and being a Wollongong, University of Wollongong graduate um, has, is also 
an important part of my identity and so um, making sure that I um, am involved in the University of Wollongong engagement such as admissions interviews and um, teaching and also training um, training medical students is also important. How does the NT um, program of Flinders University differ from other unis and what could other unis learn from their approach? Well I think that um, I think the Flinders Northern Territory program you know they've managed to um, run a program from Darwin for 10 years which is which they've just celebrated this year um, and in that time they've managed to support a lot of local people in the Northern Territory who would otherwise have had to travel to travel to Adelaide to go to medical school so I think ha- it highlights the importance of having a local program based in the territory that attracts Territorians um, and then graduates Territory doctors. I think that's that's one of the important things. And um, although other medical schools have rural and regional training hubs and training sites, it's not the primary base of their medical programs and students are often sent to those places for a short amount of time rather than being there for the entire program like they do here, um, which I think is important. You've just been accepted onto the vascular surgery training program. Congratulations. Can you talk a bit about what that uh, program entails and how difficult it is? I I think surgery is probably one of the most competitive training programs to get on. What was that experience like for you and um, where are you heading? Mm. So with, you're right, I think um, surgery is very competitive and I think, I think to be honest, most specialty training programs are quite competitive to get onto these days. Um, so in vascular surgery, um, this year, um, my cohort, um, they've taken uh, eight, eight people onto the pr- training program um, and that's eight people in all of Australia and New Zealand. And, you know... It's very, very competitive in terms of, you know, you have to pass your GSSE um, or your surgical primary exam. You have to develop a CV and um, gain points in different areas, which include, you know, being a teacher, um, having publications, presenting at conferences, surgical experience. Um, So you have to gain points and have a good CV in that and then once you have those things you then have to uh, throughout the course of your training you also have to develop really good rapport with your bosses and consultants um, to get good referees or references um, to support your application and then the last thing is if you have good referees and if you have a good CV then you'll be invited to an interview and then the interview is also competitive a competitive process and so for vascular surgery they have um, they interview three candidates for every one um, position that they have um, and for me I was lucky enough to get on this year it's a big weight off my shoulders um, it's very stressful applying but I am very happy that I've gotten on and for me next year my first year of training I have to move to the other end of the country and I have to move to Hobart in Tasmania 
So it'll be a bit of a climate change for me um, coming from the Territory to Hobart. But I've heard the team in Hobart are really quite good and the person who's currently training there has um, has told me it's a really good um, first year training job. So you gain a lot of clinical confidence in your first year of training. So I'm looking forward to that. So when did you decide that you wanted to pursue vascular surgery and was there any, did you ever feel pressure on when you chose a specialty and how? Um, I, I never, I never felt any pressure in regards to choosing a specialty. When I was in medical school, I was um, hell bent on doing either cardiothoracics or orthopedics. And as I started working as a doctor, I slowly changed my perspective on that. Um, quite a bit and then I enjoyed some uh, I enjoyed general surgery Um, I still did enjoy cardiothoracics um, but when I started doing vascular surgery it sort of combined those two skill sets so um, you tend to be a bit more of a generalist you do you have to know a breadth of operations and you operate on all regions of the body and for me, the other thing with vascular surgery was that it's very, it's a very tech-savvy specialty, and so as technologies evolved, um, our techniques have evolved as well, and that includes endovascular surgery. So being able to do things using wires and balloons and fix things that would normally need a large cut in the belly um, is quite spectacular. Uh, and then personally, for me. Um, a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients um, suffer vascular surgical complications of chronic illnesses like kidney disease, like diabetes, like heart disease um, and cardiovascular disease. And so um, being able to treat mob and to treat other First Nations people um, was a big part of why I chose this specialty as well because we, we're quite overrepresented in in the vascular surgery patient population. And you're the first First Nations vascular trainee surgeon, is that right? Yeah, so... How does that feel? Yeah, um, so yeah, so I'm the first vas- first Aboriginal vascular surgery trainee, um, which is pretty special. Um, I, I feel quite honoured and privileged to have been appointed and to, um, and to have made this happen. But I also have to pay homage to a couple of people, which include um, Kelvin Kong, who's the first ever Aboriginal surgeon, who's an ENT surgeon. And there's a handful of people who are currently training in surgery, who and and also my grandparents and my parents and people who have gone before me, who have sort of paved the way and have allowed me to to essentially stand on their shoulders to be able to have this opportunity um, which is which is also very very good. So you might be the first but certainly not the last. What changes could be made to, to give more Aboriginal doctors this opportunity or Aboriginal students this opportunity? I think yeah I, I would hope not to be the last. I, um, I think really engaging young people um, at an early age with regards to surgical skills and showing and demonstrating um, things that surgery can do and some technical skills as, to, as a way to attract people to the specialty I think is important. So running skills workshops, having members from 
the Vascular Surgery Society um, coming out to communities and actually engaging with communities and young people, um, and then engaging with junior doctors and medical students throughout the train at all aspects of the training pipeline. I think is important to make sure there's at least a um, a trickle feed of of people coming through the training pipeline who have an interest in in surgery and hopefully an interest in vascular surgery. And in terms of the community that you're part of creating, is, did you create Black Docs? Uh, no, oh. so I didn't create Black Docs. That's actually um, made by another Aboriginal doctor, um, Dr Nari Blow, who's based in Melbourne, um, who's a good friend of mine um, and a public health um, physician. Uh, she's a good friend and, yeah, she created the, the site Black Docs um, in order to promote um, promote other Aboriginal doctors and um you know, show what we can do and show what we've we have done, and to try and encourage people to get involved and to to participate. Yeah, I was going to say, how important is yeah that community of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander doctors, and how do you support each other? It's very important. So we have we have the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association, and um, you know we have we have over 200, 200 Aboriginal doctors in Australia, and. You know, it's still not enough to um, to treat every um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patient, and we're not quite at population parity. But you know, we have over 300 um, medical students coming through the training pipeline, so there's a, a whole lot of potential there. In the next couple of years, we'll be graduating a lot of those people, um, and I think having that community is extremely important because it shows these young people coming through that people have gone before them and people have done it. So once you can see it, you you know that it's possible. And so seeing someone like me or Kelvin or other surgical trainees, you know, pass our exams, um, get onto surgery training, people like Kelvin and other graduates who have then finished surgical training, um, when you see that, um, you then know it's possible. And it makes me think back to when I was at high school and first hearing about Kelvin Kong becoming the first Aboriginal surgeon um, like that was big news to me and how did you hear about him oh it was um I think it was in one of the Aboriginal Indigenous community um, newspapers I think it was in the Koori Mail or something like that there was a big um, newspaper article big spread about the first Aboriginal surgeon and um, I remember reading about it and thinking wow that's like that's incredible and you know, ever since then, Kelvin and I have been, well, once I got into medical school and met Kelvin a few times, we we got on really well. And so um, he's been like a big brother to a lot of us coming through surgery. So he's provided advice and has always been there for us um, coming through. So, yeah, so that was like one of my other main motivating factors was hearing about Kelvin and, you know, knowing that a career in medicine and career in surgery is possible for, for us mob. So what are your hopes for your career? I guess you're, you're really, you're, you've come a long way, but you're also starting out in a way, starting your um, training program. So yeah, what are some of your dreams and aspirations for your surgical career? Um, so yeah, I've had a lot of my mentors tell me that the real work starts now. And so, so I am looking forward to it. It's going to be hard, but... Um, 
I think long term what I'd like um, to do is um, if my mentor's still in Darwin when I finish training, I'd like to come back to Darwin and provide a few years of service. I think the Territory at the moment only has one vascular surgeon in the entire Territory. Um, so I feel a bit of a moral obligation to come back here um, and to provide a service back to the community here for a period of time, just because the Territory and Darwin's been so good to me this year, both personally and professionally. The other thing is I quite like renal access surgery, so creating fistulas and maintaining fistulas. Um, I think it's... Um, I think it's critical work and I think it's critical work here in the Territory because we have a high burden of renal disease here so being confident with, with that um, and having a special interest in that is important. And then, uh, I don't know, down the track I'd like to do an international fellowship somewhere. I have a couple of really close friends um, who are vascular surgeons in the United Kingdom so hopefully when COVID settles down and borders are a bit more open I'd like to try and get over there and do do a couple of years of training before coming back to somewhere regional like Darwin or Wollongong or Lismore or some form or Wagga Wagga some regional centre in um, in Australia that needs a vascular surgeon. And you mentioned that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients are overrepresented in vascular surgery what's their reaction when they see a vascular surgeon trainee, Aboriginal vascular surgeon trainee treating them? Um, it's been pretty special. It's been one of the biggest things I've loved um, seeing here in Darwin. Um, so, you know, I feel like I'm able to communicate with patients at a deeper, more cultural level um, and, and that's pretty special. So I know that the advice that I give and I know that um, I know that that when I say something the patients genuinely listen and um, genuinely take it on board and so and then having a good working relationship it just it just deepens the therapeutic relationship that I have with the patients here and then also with our patients it's a it's a two-way street so I've actually learned a lot of cultural things and a lot of um, a lot of local knowledge from from the patients that have come through Darwin and not just from here in Larrakee country in Darwin but also from you know from Tiwi Islands and from Catherine and from the Barclay region in Central Desert yeah I've just had the privilege of learning so much from all of the patients that I've interacted with up here and you know when I when I found out that I got onto the training program and um and having this label of being the first Aboriginal vascular surgeon um it was pretty um special seeing the community empowerment um a lot of patients and a lot of families um in communities were really quite empowered and really quite proud of that achievement as if it was their own achievement and so that was really special um for me and and it's something that you know i'll take with me for the rest of my training if any of the listeners sort of catch me around or see me in or if, if there are any listeners in Hobart or anyone catches me around or sees me please feel free to pull me up and have a yarn I um, love having chats with people and um, love finding out about other people's stories and um, and sharing some knowledge so if you see me on the vascular team somewhere just give us a shout thanks so much thank you 
Homeostasis is a production of Medigild, a community which builds conversations by and for medical students and doctors to demystify the medical journey and help you achieve your goals. For the latest resources and information, go to our website, mediguild.com. This podcast was produced on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri, Bururung and Larrakia peoples. We acknowledge and pay our respects to Elders past, present and future. Music in this episode was by Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs>